Welcome to First Bite. We're back. Our interview show is back after, gosh, a full month off since we uh, did our 49ers preview. But we don't need to get into that. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the producer at Pride of Detroit. You can get, you can catch me at Detroit Online on Twitter. With me, filling in, I guess, as uh, as our First Bite <laughs> co-host. Spit it out. Spit it out. It it throws me off when when we're not in our normal uh seating arrangement up here i guess so that's the point but you recognize the voice he is of course the adequate host of the pod cast he is our audio technical extraordinaire he is chris perfect how we doing chris adequate replacement really (laughs) adequate uh fill in i i will take um we're just gonna do all these kind of things i'm doing all right i'm just um i don't know i'm ready to go north of the border right now yeah, let's get into it. Uh, let's explain to the people why we're here. Uh, the Lions signed a, a pretty interesting prospect. Uh, I don't even know if prospect is the right word for it. The guy's been playing professional football for a few years now. Uh, Matthew Betts, uh, defensive end, who was the most outstanding defensive player in col- in Canadian football last year. I almost said college football. But I made sure I didn't say defensive player of the year because that's not what they call it up there. Uh, but anyways, to, to, to better know a, a, a player that has not played in the NFL, has not played in the American college system, we had to get ourselves a CFL expert. And so that's exactly what we did. So welcome our guest here. He is the editor and contributor for Three Down Nation, the CFL publication, of course. You can find him at the, the JC Abbott. It's JC Abbott. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about this one. I know I know I get a reputation for for my uh my my slights against the CFL all all in pure jest of course, but uh okay. when, whenever a, okay. a guy <laughs> whenever a guy comes along that, you know, wins some hardware, 18 sacks in 18 games and and suddenly they're a Detroit line, it, it certainly raises some eyebrows. So, let's kind of start at the beginning with him. Um Outside, like he has a shot with the Chicago Bears, one training camp, doesn't make the team, goes to the CFLs and is the third overall pick uh, for the Edmonton Eskimos. Um, but his 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 career kind of burns out there relatively quickly. He, he's there for three years, two seasons, um, doesn't produce a lot of, of statistic there. So um, I don't know how closely you're following his career then, but like, is there an explanation for why he struggled right out of the gate? Well, I, I think we actually have to take one more step back before we okay. get into what happened in Edmonton, because Matthew Betts uh, is arguably, I would say, certainly one of the top three best players to come out of Canadian University football. He played at the-, the Université de Laval uh, up there in Quebec City, which is a powerhouse unlike any any other take Alabama and what they do in the NCAA ranks and magnify that by 10. And that's what Laval was Mm. specifically at that era in Canadian university football, U sports football. Well, the Alberto dinos really fell off. (laughs) The Calgary dinos have have struggled here. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But Laval, Laval was beaten Calgary at at that stage. Um, The, when he was with the Rouge or Matthew Betts was, his first year, he was the Canadian Rookie of the Year. And the next three seasons, he won what's called the J.P. Metris Trophy, which is given to the best lineman, either offensive or defensive, in the country. So you're mm-hmm. talking about a guy who won an award every single year that he played in college football, all four seasons, and put up some crazy numbers. To me, he was, at that time, the best player that I've ever seen 
come out of U Sports football. And frankly, he may still be that. There's a player coming out this year in this year's draft that may actually threaten him a little bit, but he is an elite, elite prospect at that time. And that's why he ends up signing as a UDFA with the Chicago Bears, which happens from time to time. Guys will get shots out of U sports football. Sometimes they'll even get drafted. In Betts' case, because of his size, it was a UDFA shot. And that's what delays his arrival to Edmonton because normally when you get an NFL contract, you don't go very highly in the CFL draft because they know they have to wait on you. People like Matthew Betts so much that he went third overall, even though they knew they were going to have to wait on him and there was a potential that they may never see him at all. So that's how highly he was thought of as a prospect. He comes in midway through the season after he's cut by the Bears, puts up some good numbers in that 2019 year. He only plays about four games and has two sacks. So you see there's some promising stuff there. And then obviously COVID happens. The CFL is forced to cancel its season. And 2021 is just a disaster in Edmonton. Mm. And it's on all fronts. He actually wins the starting job out of camp, gets a guy who is probably going to be a future Hall of Famer in Canada in Sean Lemon, but because he wins the job, mm. but that defense just can't perform and he's not putting a good situation. And so he has no sacks that year, terrible numbers across the board, but nobody really loses faith on him because when he hits the open market after that season, BC backs up the Brinks truck and pays a whole bunch of money by CFL standards to bring him out to Vancouver. So there was never really a sense from personnel people in the league that he was a bust. I think there was some fans making some comments in that regard because of how disappointing that year in Edmonton was. But really that had a lot more to do with the organization than the player. And most of what we've seen from Matthew Betts going back to his collegiate days to now has been incredibly positive. He gets a three-year contract when he goes down to the Chicago Bears. So clearly the this is, an, this is a guy who the NFL valued in some way. I'm not going to speak too much to is why he didn't make that roster. We see UDFAs get cut all the time, but it's clear that multiple people in several stuff like saw this as, was this just kind of a matter of the, uh, the, I guess they would have been the Eskimos at the time, not the Elks. Was this a matter of just Edmonton, just overall the, the entire system, just not f- failing or just did he have some, growth that he needed to do between the bears and, and Edmonton to get to where he was being going to be regarded with the, uh, with the BC lions. I, I think there might be a little bit of both there. I think certainly you look at that 2021 season in Edmonton and they haven't gotten much better in the two years since then, either the organization, quite frankly, is still a bit of a mess. And, and one of its, I think the darkest chapter and it's very long history right now. Um, but that 2021 season was really a watershed moment for them. And it resulted in essentially a full house cleaning. So at the end of that year, his defensive coordinator, his head coach, his GM, and his uh, the president of that organization were all gone out the door. And quite frankly, for good reason, because the performance on the field was not good enough at any level. I don't think you can point to a player on that Edmonton team that season and say, okay, they lived up to expectations because it was such a mess. And Matthew Betts was no exception to that. But the things that had made him such a high prospect and have 
led to success since then were still there. The high motor, the way he won that job in training camp, there was a lot of optimism about him going into the year, and it's been proven right, just not that particular season. We, we've certainly seen uh, here in Detroit the impact of uh, a bad head coach maybe leading to some underperformances from their players. Um, and, and I think it speaks to what happened next, right? He, he gets the, the the big deal with the BC Lions. He immediately gets seven sacks the next season. And then the, fo- the following season, which was 2023, he wins the most outstanding defensive player with 18 sacks in 18 games. So let's t- talk a little bit about his game. What What particularly has made him so successful at the CFL level? I think the first thing that jumps out about Matthew Betts when you watch him either as a college prospect coming out or now as a pro is his get off, right? He is so quick off the line, um, really gets a jump start on any tackle. And then his motor is absolutely relentless. I don't think he's the most physically dominant dude out there. I don't think he's necessarily the most refined with his hands. You're not going to get somebody who's a technician, but you're going to get someone who's going to run around the outside on that ring who he's going to get blocked once, he's going to get blocked twice, but he's going to keep coming back. And over the course of a game, he develops opportunities because of that, because he's so relentless and quick upfield, especially, I think, against CFL tackles where, you know, we all know how hard it is to find tackles in the NFL. We're having the same thing with the trickle-down effect in the CFL. Sure, Matthew Betts is able to get a jump on some of those guys and really eat them alive over the course of a football game because he is so relentlessly quick off the ball. So I I want to talk about this because this is certainly no longer the age of Rocket Ismail and Doug Flutie and other major success stories coming from the CFL. I think the last one I can remember who played the CFL who like got success in the NFL was probably Brandon Browner. I, I there have been a few since then, but there's that's been, a, there's that's been a few. I'm trying to remember. Out. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. I think Cameron Wake also played up in the CFL. I remember yep. seeing, but yep. um, what what exactly? Um, how how unique is this story? What is exactly he going to have to adjust to coming to the American version of the game? Um, is there even much adjustment given his position or is this just kind of, you know, same story, just line up there? I guess the only big thing would just be what, like less motion. I, I, I'll fill me in like what what exactly does he need to change to really succeed at this level? Well, I think the thing that makes this story unique is not that he's coming from the CFL. We see that, you know, you're going to get five to 10 guys every season coming from the CFL to the NFL. Some of them stick, some of them don't. I mean, uh, some of the most successful guys right now, if you look around the NFL, Alex Singleton has gone from being a most outstanding defensive player in the CFL with Calgary to a guy who's a starter at linebacker in the NFL. I think on his third straight 100 tackle season, you know, D. Alford, uh, good nickel corner out there in Atlanta, who was a a fantastic player in one season in Canada. So there are those success stories that happen less so than there used to be, but they still occur. What makes this unique is Betts' age in my mind, because this Mm. is a guy who's going to turn 29 in March. Typically, if someone's making the jump from the CFL to the NFL, it's going to happen earlier on in their career when they're 26, 27. Once you get past 27, Very few exceptions happen where guys get NFL contracts. It speaks volumes that teams are even interested at that stage. They're 
are exceptions. The most recent one that I can think of that's sort of comparable to Betts is is Shane Ray, who, of course, was a first-round NFL draft pick, went up to Toronto for a little bit, was not particularly good in the CFL by any stretch, but somehow, through his connections, landed another NFL contract with the Buffalo Bills at 30 years old. Really, Besides that, I can't think of anyone comparable to Betts in terms of age at his position going down. Now, he is from Quebec, which uh, means he came out in the process a little bit later. Quebec prospects, they have a different schooling system there where after high school, you do what is essentially like a type of JUCO, but it's mandatory. And then you go into college. So they're usually entering the draft or entering their pro careers at 26, sometimes even 27 years old. So these guys are older coming out. Betts obviously had success right away. So he's a little bit quicker on that curve, but that's why uh, he's older, despite the fact that he's only played four professional seasons. Maybe that means less tread on the tires, but there's not a lot of comparables for a guy making the jump at his age. And at his size, we know he's a twinger. That's why he didn't work out in Chicago is because he's not really a true defensive end and he's not really good enough in space to be a coverage outside linebacker or somebody like that. He's really a situational pass rusher, which is what defensive ends are in the CFL game. Cameron Wake was an example of somebody who was just like that coming out of college, obviously played for the same CFL team in the BC Lions and put up very good numbers and had the career he did in the NFL. There's been some move away from discarding twingers in the NFL because they want pass rushers so much, but Betts is still a bit of a hard sell in my mind, and he's really got to find his particular niche. Yeah, it, it, it's funny that the, the name Cameron Wake keeps coming up because, of course, he played for the Miami Dolphins when Dan Campbell was there as the tight ends coach, obviously coaching a different group. But um, it's interesting because, you know, that that situational pass rusher, we're still trying to figure out if that's what the Lions, if they're going to have an opening for that. You know, James Houston is a guy who very much fits that role and was very good in it, but they've always wanted to expand James Houston's game to beyond just a situational pass rusher, whether it is dropping in coverage or holding the edge as a defensive end. So in your mind, is is there any potential there for, for bets to at least, you know, I, I guess be a run stopper because that is so important to what the Lions want to do. Dropping into coverage is probably a tough ask for a guy who I made, you know, 29 hasn't really done much of it, but, but, can he hold his own in terms of, I, I guess, maybe some of that motor? Does that work in his favor in the run game? To me, it does. It's It was a weak spot for him in the CFL, which, yeah. you know, in a value world, right, you're willing to take a bad run defender for as exceptional as he is as a pass rusher. I mean, you sure. talk about the 18 sacks. He also had 83 total pressures, right? <laughs> this is a guy that... PFF had a 90.2 pass rush grade on last season of the CFL. Like he gets off the ball, but his overall grade was much lower because he's not very good against the run. And I don't think that's going to be any different at the NFL level. Um, He's going to struggle even more. Can he come in on third down and long and, and get after the quarterback? I think there's potential there. The other thing that maybe he's able to do is contribute a little bit on special teams, right? 250 pounds. Um, you know, he can run down on teams. He didn't do a ton of that in the CFL, but he did some, even though he was a starting defensive end and, you know, the best defensive player in the league last season, because everyone's got to play special teams in Canada. It's one of, it's so much more important in the three down game than it is in the NFL, 
So he has experience doing that, and that might help him stick on the roster. He certainly believes there's going to be an opportunity for him there, though, because he had workouts with both the Cleveland Browns and the Buffalo Bills before Detroit. He had an offer on the table from one of those two teams with guaranteed money, and he turned it down to come to Detroit where there is no guaranteed money because he felt so strongly in what they were telling him about the opportunity. Um, in the end, whether it's guaranteed money or not, the size of that contract, like it's a, it's pocket change for an NFL team, but he turned down something meaningful right. in order to go to Detroit. And I think that says a lot about, I think it says a lot about two things. One about his personality, like, he, he's willing to bet on himself in that sort of way. And two, I think maybe it speaks to what the Lions are, are planning to do defensively. If, if they've, they've probably told him, like, there is very much a a path for a guy like you, a situational path, pass rusher to make the roster. And so that that's a really interesting development. I want to I want to move the conversation over, if I may, to sure. uh, Quantez Stiggers. Lions hosted him for a th- for a top 30 visit here upcoming in the NFL draft. Um, very interesting very interesting story with stiggers we we talked about this i think a little me jeremy and i did between segments on the last podcast defensive back uh american an american which is important for reasons we'll get to in a second but um he goes to high school in atlanta he ends up not attending college because of um his father's death he ends up deciding to uh just drop out he ends up uh, going to fan-controlled football at his mother's urging plays a year there and then gets signed with the Toronto Argonauts. I want to uh, wins uh, most outstanding rookie of the award in the CFL and is an East all-star for the CFL in 2023. Uh, I, I guess I have several questions here, but I want to start with that backstory because we were talking about this as far as like I was confused first off on how is he eligible for, I mean, I, we were talking about and resolved pretty quickly how he was eligible for the draft in the NFL. But I guess my question is, I'm not clear about the rules on him being eligible to be signed in the CFL. If that's something he could do, he would have been 20 one, I believe when he was, when he was signed. And on top of all of this, He's I mean, the the Argos are giving the Argonauts are giving him a slot on their roster when I know the CFL has the um, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Is it the game rule ratio? It's the ratio. Yeah, the ratio where for for those who don't understand, I don't remember all the details, but you can't just fill out your roster with American born football players. Some of them have to be nationalized, have to be national Canadian players. So for them to be giving them him a slot and everything, and also for someone who has no background in either youth sports or American college football says a lot, says a lot about it. I'm just kind of curious how this all happens, how he gets to the CFL. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fascinating story, even for us covering the league and to just touch on your ratio for the listeners who may not be familiar with the Canadian game, essentially the roster is 50, 50. It's, it's not quite, but half American, half Canadian. Uh, And then most of your starters are going to be American, but of the 24 starters on offense or defense, seven of them have to be Canadian. So that means that if you are making a game day roster as an American, there's really only four slots 
that are backup slots. You got to make it as a starter. Um, now, of course, there's practice rosters and injury uh, lists and all those th- things, just the same as the NFL. But they are looking when they're bringing in an American to try and bring in an impact player. And certainly when Quantez Stiggers was signed, he immediately jumped out in the press release as somebody who's unusual, given that he was 21 years old. I think last season entering training camp, he was the second uh, youngest player in the league. The other player was a, was a Canadian prospect. So that is substantial when you're talking about an American coming up. Typically they come a little bit later because they've done the whole college thing. And then they've gotten a couple years in the NFL, trying to bounce around from practice roster to practice roster. This is, definitely an unusual case. It's not unheard of, um, but it hasn't happened in a long time that a prospect has come without any college experience. And so you immediately circle him and say, okay, what is this guy? And clearly somebody was watching that fan controlled football league where he balled out. He was a defensive um, player of the year candidate. I believe in that league, one of the coaches was doing some passive scouting and saw something they liked. And they took a flyer on a kid that ended up paying off big time because he was absolutely sensational last season. Let, let's talk about him as, as a player too. Um, I mean, five sacks, I think in the fan control football and then followed that up with another, I'm sorry, uh, interceptions uh, and then five interceptions, I think again in the CFL this past year. So what, what does he do? Well, like if, if you're giving a, a draft scouting profile, what, what is the profile of Quantus Stiggers? Uh, you know, DB is not my position of expertise, but I will say, I think his skill set is fairly ra- well-rounded. Mm-hmm. He was at his best like most CFL DBs when he's in zone or off coverage, he's got his eyes on the QB. Mm-hmm. He's able to read and react and make plays on the ball. I think he's super smooth in transition. He's got oiled up hips. He's got everything you want from that perspective. You watch some of the things he was able to do at the East West shrine bowl mm-hmm. and had, didn't have to play a lot of man in Toronto, right? CFL is a zone heavy game and he excelled at both when he was asked to do that at the East West. So there's not a lot of questions about what he can't do. I think this is a guy who uh, slipped through the cracks because of his unique story, because, you know, he struggled academically. So he wasn't getting into a big school and then family stuff happened and he couldn't commit to the small school. And so he slips through. Well, he's now got something that nobody else has in this draft class. And that's a year of actual pro experience. And I know some people will scoff at that because they're like, Oh, it's the CFL. What could it matter? You know, my sec team can be a CFL team. Like every single player on a CFL roster, just like an NFL roster was one of the top three or four players on their college team from big time colleges. Lots of them, almost all of the Americans who come through have some degree of NFL experience, either a contract practice roster stint, even playing a number of games. And there is tons of precedent every single year of guys coming up with notable NFL resumes, second round picks, first round picks, and just not being good enough to play in Canada. So he's not playing against poor competition. He's playing against guys who are elite collegiate players, just like he would have if he had gone to any NCAA school and he proved himself to the highest degree. Sometimes against older guys, too, which is like a major thing in football. Sometimes you're just playing against guys who just got so much more bulk and muscle on them. I I pulled this up from the CFL website from uh, let me make sure I quote the uh, 
Chris O'Leary, one of their senior writers, with the headline of Enjoy Argos Quantes Stickers While You Can. And it seems to be even the Argonauts, uh, their their staff kind of knew that this is going to be a short time for him Mm -hmm. in the league that he is going to be due for the NFL. So let me just ask you straight up, like he's getting top 30 visits. What are the chances he you think, given what he has, that he is going to get drafted by the National Football League? I think it's almost a foregone conclusion at this stage mm. that he's going to get drafted. I mean, he's an exceptional circumstance. Showed out at the Shrine Bowl. I think the Lions are not going to be his only top 30 visit. I think he gets selected. Now, the other wrinkle to this gentleman that I don't think any NFL fans will uh, be aware of is the fact that Quantas Stiggers is still technically under contract yeah. with the Argos. So... The, every year, the CFL has what's called the the NFL window, which means players who are under contract uh, basically from the end of the season, roughly until February 13th, can work out for NFL teams. And then if they get a contract offer, no matter how much time they have left on their contract, they can say, peace out, just release me. I'm going to the NFL, which is a great thing that they've put in to allow these guys these opportunities. The draft takes place after that window, obviously. Hmm. And so technically, the Argos are under no legal obligation to release him. Now, they haven't said anything definitively one way or another. The indication is if he was drafted, they would release him. They've already given him permission to do things like the Shrine Bowl, to go on these visits, to do these workouts, which means in general, they're very supportive of his NFL opportunities. The the one question I would have is if he doesn't get drafted, we get to the end of the seventh round, mm-hmm. and now it's a UDFA contract instead of a draft pick, does that change what the Argos feel? Do they not think that opportunity is strong enough to give the release and they try and keep him for another year? I suspect the backlash would be so huge that they wouldn't even try to do that, but it's certainly in an NFL team's best interest to maybe use a later round pick on him if he gets that far, to make sure that you know they're making a big statement about their interest in him, and then Toronto lets him go. Last thing for me before we let you go, um, character is so important to this Detroit Lions team, and and they have to have they have to love ball. They have to be a hard worker. So obviously, you're probably watching from from afar. I don't expect you to be inter- interviewing Quantas Stiggers after every single game, but from from what you know, what do you know about him as a person? Yeah, I I haven't heard anything bad in terms of his personality. I've only spoken to the man once, uh, one interview, very briefly. Um, Clearly, you know, maybe academically he's struggled, but football intelligence is there, right? And he clearly loves ball. That's why he's doing this with such a unique story. And really, both of the guys that we've talked about today, I think are incredible hard workers, guys who love to ball and really fit into the Detroit Lions mold in that respect from a culture standpoint. So it doesn't surprise me that Dan Campbell and the staff there in Detroit are looking their way. All right. Before we let you go here, I always want to give our guests an opportunity to to use this platform to promote their stuff. So tell the people where they can find your stuff if they're interested in getting, you know, a little bit more involved. Listen, the Lions are starting to dig into the CFL. Maybe, maybe Lions fans need to start watching some CFL. So where can they find you and your Listen, stuff? It's a long off season. Maybe you want to watch in July <laughs> while we're waiting. There you go. <laughs> Got some time well, for the gray cup. If anyone uh, wants to check me out, it's at the JC Abbott on Twitter. 
I'm not a big Instagram guy, so I'll stick to the Twitter feed. Um, and then all my work can be found on 3downnation.com. Check us out there if you want to read about the CFL. And we also have our own podcast, me and my colleagues there at 3 Down Nation, the 3 Down Nation podcast. You can find that on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts and check us out. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate yeah, I appreciate all of the uh, the the incredible insight. Honestly, you you I learned so many things. Not just about these players, but about the CFL in general. And uh, I think that was very helpful for I me. I think he might have fr- destroyed his interest in the CFL by mentioning that there's a lot more special teams emphasis, that, that, too. You know, hey, this, hey, hey. Spe- special teams is important. That's right. right. Okay. That's every, right, every, Jeremy. Every, every, every kick is returned. There's no fair catches in this league. We don't play that <laughs> okay. kick stuff. We're taking it back every time. I almost cut your mic there, JC, but uh, appreciate you joining us. Appreciate everyone listening at home. Uh, we'll, we'll be doing more of these first bites, particularly when the lines start adding new players. So keep tour your, uh, your, make sure you're following us on all of the platforms and, and subscribing to us and leave a review if you want. But until next time for Chris and Jeremy, I'm Jeremy and for JC and for Jeremy and for me, it's cast. Be kind guys. Of